0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Works Christian Church, right here in beautiful Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enis. Here I will discuss theology, doctrine, politics, social and cultural issues, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. But basically, I flip tables. Please remember to download each episode. That's very important. Download each episode. Hold on tight, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast. (laughs) I'm just having some fun, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to Table Flippers Podcast. Today I have an interesting, well, interesting subject that I wasn't really prepared to talk about until this morning, of course. Um, I had been talking about these 15-minute cities, and I've been talking about a lot of things, the train derailments and how these 15-minute cities and the train derailments actually are related in some strange way, but nonetheless they are, and uh, I was going to continue with that because I came across some more interesting information along these lines, but... Uh, something happened today. So I we were closing out one of our church's um, storage units in town, you know, self-storage area. And so we didn't really want to uh, keep spending money on a storage unit when we just had some things in there that we haven't, haven't used in quite a while. So we just decided, listen, we'll just get rid of it, donate it, whatever, and close that out and save a little bit of money. So we did. And as I was down there waiting for some gentleman to come and help me get this thing cleared out, I was just sitting there and minding my own business in the parking lot, uh, the parking area of the self storage place. And wouldn't you know it, I get a phone call from one of the young ladies that works at Butler's Coffee, our coffee shop. And by the way, Butler's Coffee still is home to the greatest cups of coffee in the world. And, um, you know, I've traveled all over the world just to try their coffee. And I. I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot lie. Even though I believe that our coffee all around is the best coffee in the world, I will tell you, there is a coffee shop in Venice, Italy, of all places, that quite frankly, I don't know what they did to their coffee. I really, honestly, don't know what they did. And we went and asked them, "What do you do to your coffee?" And they wouldn't tell us. But nonetheless, it was so spectacular that, um, and they, and what's what? You know what I don't like about. Um, the Italian coffee, at least there in Venice where we were at, they serve them in these tiny little cups and the coffee was so delicious. And there the people sit down, they'll get like a a pastry, like a croissant and a little cup of coffee, um, similar to like a cappuccino, but nonetheless, it's a, a little cup of coffee. And they sip that little coffee really slow and they eat their little Danish really slow as they read the newspaper, read a book or chat and talk. They might be there for an hour just eating one croissant and drinking one little cup of coffee. And so here we are, uh, us Americans, right? And uh, when I look at the size of the cup of coffee and this little croissant that I'm getting for breakfast... I'm just like, I'm a little miffed, to be honest with you, and a little frustrated. So I take it outside, sit down on the outside cafe next to the uh, one of the canals, watching the little gondolas go by, and I take a sip, a tiny little, I'll try to be Italian, so I take a tiny little sip of this coffee, and it was spectacular. So of course, I drink it down in about two gulps, maybe three gulps, because, you know, I'm trying not to be too rude, and I woof down this um, pastry, and then I realize wait a minute, I want another one. That was delicious. So I ran back in with my empty cup and I hand it to the guy, I say, hey, I would love another one. That was delicious. That was fantastic. And he just looks at me like, it's gone already? Well, yeah, that's what we do in America when we actually like something. We woof it down and then go get more. Maybe that's why Americans are so big. But anyways, that's another story for another time. So outside, and I'll just be totally honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, outside of this little coffee shop in Venice, Italy, Butler's Coffee has... The greatest cup of coffee in the world and I say even there uh, I didn't have all their different coffees but that one little cup of coffee was spectacular and then I come home and I have our coffee and it's spectacular and what makes ours even better even better than theirs is we'll give you more <laughs> so anyways um, I get a call from the young lady Uh, that, uh, and she said, uh, I have to send, something happened where I'm going to send you some pictures. So I said, oh, no. Did they break in? Because we've had people break in in the past. Did they break in again? You know, and she says, well, um, no. uh, But she's I'll send you pictures. But there are some signs taped up on the window outside because, you know, the whole front glass and part of the side of the building is all glass. So the whole front, They had spray painted a big sign. Let me look at the picture here and I'll try to describe it to you. I I, I don't speak this way, so I won't tell you the exact words, but I think you'll get the hint as I go through this. So on one side of the door, there's a big um, F-bomb word. And then it says, you know, blank the PFC. I'll explain that in just a moment. And then they have underneath the big F-bomb, Two pieces of paper about the size of like a typing paper, eight and a half by 11, with the words, on one of them it's scribbled, this business supports fascists. And then the next one next to it, this business supports transphobia. So just with those, we are labeled transphobic fascists and blank PFC. Now on the other side of the door on the glass, there's... Again, it says this business supports fascists. On the actual door, it says this business supports transphobia. And then there's a big anarchy symbol um, painted on one of the windows as well. And uh, so, what's interesting, especially about the transphobia, is on the actual window, the same window where they wrote um, blank. The the PFC we have a we have our own sign that we put up uh, maybe two years ago I I guess about that time and it says we do not discriminate uh it's a little blurry here I'm trying to read it off my phone against any customer uh, oh based on Sex, gender, race, creed, age, and we go on. It even talks about vaccines and not vaccinated, with passports, without passports, all that stuff. But basically trying to get the message across that we don't discriminate against anybody. If you're a paying customer, come on in and buy a cup of coffee or a pastry or an iced tea or some ice cream or whatever we have and you're going to pay for it. Come on in. We don't care what color you are. We don't care what race you are. We don't care what religion you are. We don't even really care if you're transphobic or not. So whoever did this, you know, I'm just going to be honest because uh, I, 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 believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, I do, I really do, try to be somewhat uh, nice. I, I, you know, I really do. But sometimes there's some things that are just so absolutely idiotic that. All I can do is just tell the truth point blank and let the chips fall where they where they may. The person or and we know it's a person. And by the way, uh, dude, if by any chance you listen to this, um, I'm not going to give out all the details. But um, next time, smile, because when you're on the camera, you should always smile and give it, you know, your best your best smile, your best look. I'm just going to leave it at that. But, you know, when you're on camera just smile a little bit more. All right. We don't like looking at our cameras and seeing grumpy, mean people. All right. Especially dumb people because right. Well, just less than what is this about? Yeah. Less than maybe what? Two feet away from a sign that says we do not discriminate. We're called uh, a business that supports transphobic or transphobia. When we just said we don't discriminate against anybody, including transgender people, whether we agree with their lifestyle or not, we don't discriminate against them. They're if they're customers, they're customers, just like everybody else. So, of course, I had fun with that. Every person that came in the door while that stuff was still up there because we had to leave it up there for, you know, the investigators to come and take pictures and and run DNA and do, you know, take hair samples and uh, um, fiber samples and all of that stuff. <laughs> um so while it was still up there, anybody that came up and saw that, they would come in and say, you know, of course, they would make a comment. Oh, that's so terrible. Why? Why would people do that? I go, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. We don't serve your kind. You know, we, we can't serve you unless you're a fascist, transphobic, you know, you have a transphobic fascist. That was my statement all morning. And then, of course, they would laugh. And then, of course, I would laugh because it all was just a big joke. But there's some people out there that just don't understand that things even like that are either a joke or, you know, they hear something that automatically needs your, your transphobic, you're racist, you're a fascist, you're this, you're that. And they're idiots, just plain and simple. And they're cowards. See, because here's the thing, a real man, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me very closely and teach this to your children, especially your, your sons. Real men don't go around tagging things in the middle of the night to try to make a point like that. A real man, if they have a problem with a business or an individual or a group, they'll pull themselves up by the bootstraps, stick out their chest and go and talk to them. I almost said confront, but it wouldn't even have been a confrontation if somebody come and say, Hey, I want to talk to you about something because this is what I heard. I heard that you guys don't like, you know, transphobia people. What do you say about that? We could have a nice conversation. Oh, and by the way, I heard that you're fascist. Well I would say, Well, define a fascist. They'll define it in whatever way they possibly could. If I needed to correct them, I would correct them, but we would talk about that. Okay, so because we were considered or called uh, fascist i looked that up in the dictionary I, I mean i knew what it was but i just wanted to make sure so let me read straight from the dictionary what the word or the concept or idea of fascist is it says a political philosophy movement or regime such as that as the fascist 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 fasc, fascisti. i think that's how you say it um f-a-s-c-i s-t-i so it's a word similar to fascist fascisti fascisti. anyways nonetheless um it's a political philosophical movement or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader severe economic and social regimentation and forcible suppression of opposition. Do you know what that what a fascist really is? Liberal, Democrat, Socialist, Communist, Marxist, Nazi? Certainly not anybody that leans towards conservatism or true biblical Christianity. Because conservatism and biblical Christianity, number one, puts the individual above the state, puts the individual above the nation as a whole. Although conservatives and even biblical Christians will love this nation, but the reason they love this nation because it's actually founded upon the principles, the reason it, our nation is actually called a republic is because in a republic, individual rights trump the rights of everybody else. In a democracy, which it has become the, the uh, mob rules. Let me give you a real quick example. Let's say you own a bicycle. And let's assume there's a group of people that come by and say, we really like your bike. And, you say, and they say, give us your bike. And you say, no, it's my bike. I'm not going to give it to you because it's my bike. I own this. You see, in a republic, uh, um, the laws, the uh, police, the courts will support you because that's your bike. So if somebody takes your bike, they stole it from you, and you can either go get it back, you could sue them, you can they'll get thrown in jail, whatever, because your rights as an individual trumps their rights. So in a democracy, let's say five people come together, and they say, hey, we want your bike. And you say, no, it's my bike. I paid for it, it's my bike. But in a democracy, they can say, we're going to vote on it. And if they get three out of five votes in favor of taking your bike, then they'll take your bike and do whatever they want with it because that's a democracy. That's why in a democracy, you know, um, often uh, how many people like say vote over personal rights can trump those personal rights, all right? And um, so to make it even worse, fascism is that of socialism, liberalism, and uh, communism, Marxism, all those isms that put the government above the individual or even the community, all right? So they have, whoever put this, doesn't know us, doesn't know what we push, what we believe, what we stand for, because we stand for the rights of the individual and we stand for the good of all uh, all of culture and all society, which starts with the rights of the individual, because we have this kind of crazy belief that you are smart enough to know what you should do with your life. You can figure it out. You don't need the government. You don't even need me telling you what to do. So go do it, go, go make a life for yourself, all right? So this whole idea and, and, and a dictatorial leadership in fascism, we I am personally, I personally, my wife is personally, Butler's Coffee and all the workers there, we are all against that. PFC, Palmdale Freedom Coalition, is completely against that. And so, so when somebody says this, this business supports fascists, you idiot, you moron. Number one, you don't even know what that word means. And secondly... You don't even know who we are or what we stand for. So what are you doing? coming vandalizing our, co- it's always wrong to vandalize anyways, but at least get educated next time and stop being a coward. Stop being a coward. You have a problem with me, come and talk to me. You have a problem with the way Butler's is run, again, come and talk to me. You don't like PFC or you don't understand PFC? Don't vandalize like a little baby coward. Come in on a Wednesday, listen to what everybody has to say. And when it when it adjourns, when it when it when it's over, you can talk to the leadership and ask all the questions you want. So my point is quit being such a coward. And and it's not just this one dude, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not this one guy that we captured on video. It's not just this one guy that comes and vandalizes at like three in the morning. I couldn't tell you how many people that we've come across, especially on Facebook. Now, I argue with a lot of people on Facebook. I really do. But, but, uh, more, more, uh, I, I call it a debate. But in, nonetheless, I talk to a lot of people on, on Facebook. But one of the things that I, that I, um, do my best to do is if there are people, especially people that are close enough to me, you know, in proximity where I can go set up a time and go talk to them. I will do that. I will do that. And most of the conversation that I have is just because they're outlandish and they put these things out in a public forum. So we discuss them in a public forum. Well, we are there. And so I do my best to meet people right where they are discussing. If I heard somebody in a park saying nonsense, I would confront them in the park. If I see it on Facebook, I'll confront them on Facebook. If I see it on Instagram, I'll confront them on Instagram. If it's in a church, I'll confront them in a church. If it's just in casual conversation, I will confront them in that place of casual conversation. Uh, this is things we've done, and this is the things we live by. You know, We're going to talk to them on the level and the place that they're opening up that conversation, and vice versa. Just like I know this, anytime I post anything on social media, I am aware that somebody's not going to like what I say and going to comment something negative. And I I pretty much even welcome it. I welcome it to the point to where it just gets silly name-calling and then disruptive in that sense. Because once the name-calling starts, well, debate's over. And the person who started calling names lost the debate. So it's just over at that point. So I usually stop, okay? But nonetheless, a lot of people just don't understand just simple common-sense things like this gentleman who came and tagged and vandalized Butler's Coffee because he didn't like something about PFC anyways he didn't have the nerve or the guts or the courage to come inside and actually talk to the people of PFC so anyways um I, I, my plan is and I hope I get to do this really really soon is to pull Mike Ross and maybe some of the girls that work there at Butler's in and, and maybe we'll do kind of a little mini round table or something like that where you can hear it and we could talk about it and everything. So, just, again, just so you guys know, and this is just just, you know, a personal thing for me and again, if anybody knows who did this or if that guy's listening, if you're listening, I just want you all to know something, especially you who did this, when I got the phone call and I was told what was up there, especially about the fascism and the transphobia, you know, um I laughed, and, and I, I told the young lady that was on the other phone because she was like almost, I wouldn't say scared, just, just telling me as a matter of fact because she's a strong young lady and she wasn't scared. She was just like, oh, yeah, this happened. And I laughed, and she goes, what are you laughing I go, this is actually kind of funny. This is actually kind of funny that when you just hold a meeting there on Wednesday night, and it's open to everybody who just wants to walk in and join us, uh, but when you do this, it triggers all the weak people. It just triggers the weak people. That there just actually might be a group of people that, number one, have common sense. Number two, have strength of character, have some morals, have some decency, and can gather together and eloquently or somewhat eloquently discuss those ideas, thoughts uh, in an intelligent manner. And that just triggers people who don't have that or don't know how to do that. So what do they do? They go to what they know to do. Let's get some spray paint and spray paint their windows. Let's get some paper and tape some transphobic and fascist accusations on there. We'll get them. <laughs> I can almost hear them in the, you know, somewhere in some cellar or some somebody's mama's basement. We'll get them. <laughs> we'll get them. We're gonna spray paint a anarchy sign up there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, now this all leads me to this. Again, now this just made me jump the gun because I've been wanting to do a podcast. Uh, On some Jordan Peterson stuff because I really appreciate many of the things that he says, how he says it. He's very eloquent and everything, and he's just a very brilliant man. I'm not saying I agree with absolutely everything that he says 100%, but I agree enough with him that... um, you know, I would love to just sit down and have a cup of coffee with this dude and just pick his brain. I mean, he's just brilliant, you know, and he's very smart. And he has a voice with people such as Joe Rogan, Tucker Carlson, uh, on different colleges and universities, have him come out and speak. He has many uh, YouTube videos and articles and things of that nature where he's just uh, uh, able to and allowed to just speak uh, what's going through his mind. And sometimes he has these people that do interviews with him and they try to trip him up or they try to catch him. And he's brilliant. He just can't do it. I mean, I was watching one where they asked a question, but they asked it in such a baiting way that I mean, and he picked up on it he says, that's not really a question. I mean, it had a little question mark at the, at the end of it, but it was more of a statement in a question. And he says, how about you, instead of trying to trap me and trick me, and set me up. How about you ask a real question? And it was in kind of uh, a Q&A forum in an open setting, and everybody else in the room started just cheering and basically made a fool of this young lady who tried that, but it's just like, you know, yeah, just try to ask a normal question. Quit trying to be so baiting and quit trying to back me into a corner and such. So anyways, um, back to Jordan Peterson. I really appreciate this dude. He uh, very much is, is brilliant in many ways. Um, again, I would, he's the type of guy that I would just love to sit down and pick his brain on some things. Uh, he's very scholarly in most everything and everything uh, that I know that he talks about, whether it be religion, psychology, um, cultural issues, societal issues, things of that nature. So I want to read an article and where is this? This comes out of... Put it in there, I thought. Oh yeah, here it is. Life Sight... News. This is from uh, LifeSiteNews.com, and I will have again that link in the in the uh, oh, you know, in in the section that describes this podcast. Okay, so that you can click on it or cut and paste whatever you need to do to get to this article to read it for yourself. So let me just read this. It starts out: Jordan Peterson explains why boys become school shooters, and it's not. Toxic masculinity. Now, before I go on in this, he, he's he's focusing on uh, boys becoming school shooters, of course, as it opens up like that. And that's not what we're dealing with here at Butler's or with PFC. But it's the same uh, mindset. It's the same things that would lead one young man to go shoot up a school and another young man to go tag a building like this, not even understanding what he's doing or why he's doing it. It's just some kind of extreme weakness in them. And it's not, it's not, what, you're, you're, you're traditional, if you will, toxic masculinity, you know, because it's, it's actually really the um, opposite. It's, it's toxic, of course, but these are not masculine young men at all. These are cowards. So it's toxic cowardice. On display. They might, like this dude, might be walking around today strutting his stuff, high fiving or getting high fives from his friends for this awesome job that he did of tagging the uh, Butler's Coffee that hosts BFC. But in reality, anybody that praises him. Anybody that supports him, they're just as cowardly as he is, and he's a coward. I'm sorry, but ladies and gentlemen, that's cowardice. Why? Because he didn't come forward and talk to us. He didn't come and just say, hey, you know, I have a different point of view. Let's talk about this. Let's debate this. Let's let's see if we can find some common ground, you know. Um, But anyways, so Jordan Peterson is going to explain why boys become school shooters, and it's not toxic masculinity goes on to say, it's also kind of a psychological epidemic, he observed. Now, this was actually uh, posted, published March 1st, 2018. So, yes, I'm going back a little bit. But again, since 2018 to uh, 2023, things haven't really changed that much in that regard. Uh, So, you know, everything that's going to be in here, at least for the most part, maybe not dates, but everything else is going to be very relevant to what we're facing today and what I just had to face this morning and what the young ladies had to face this morning. So it says, that's the first question Fox News' Tucker Carlson asked psychologist and free speech phenomenon Dr. Jordan Peterson in a recent interview. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Why are young men shooting up schools? That was the question. I missed that line. Why are young men shooting up schools? And that was the first question Fox News' Tucker Carlson asked psychologist and free speech phenomenon Dr. Jordan Peterson in a recent interview. Because they're nihilistic and desperate, was the academic's blunt reply. Peterson, whose book, 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote for Chaos, has topped Amazon charts for weeks. Now remember, this is back in 2018, so I'm assuming in 2018 this book was at the top of Amazon charts also had an explanation for why school shooters, most recently the 19-year-old who killed 17 people in Parkland, Florida, became like that. Life can make you that way unless you have a purpose and a destiny, he told Carlson. There's no shortage of suffering and malevolence in life, and it's easy for people to become embittered by that. And if they don't see a way forward, they get angry about it and turn against life itself. They make a display of their hatred for being uh, by massacring or their hatred for being. Let me read that again, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to read it slow so everybody understands me and I don't get ahead of myself and everything. Uh, So let me read that again. They make a display of their hatred for being by massacring the innocent. That's what's happening. And they write that, Peterson added, referring to manifestos left behind by a number of young killers. Echoing other conservatives Carlson observed that Americans have owned semi-automatic weapons for hundreds of years, but only recently have school shootings become such a phenomenon. The attitudes toward peers' lives are changing, I think it's fair to say, said the newscaster. It's also kind of psychological epidemic, Peterson replied. You know, these people keep track of each other, and there's a competitive element to it. The psychologists blame the media for providing the murderers with a motive. Now listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Jordan Peterson blames the media back in 2018 for providing these murderers with a motive to murder. Okay, and listen to what he says. The fact that the media insists upon publicizing the names of these shooters is not helpful because part of what drives them is motivation for notoriety, he explained, because notoriety is better than being ignored. So these young men, these young people, that uh, they feel like they're being ignored, like they're outcast, like they're pushed aside, marginalized, forgotten about, and nobody cares. Um, they want to be known. They want people to know their name. They want to do something that puts their names in lights. And because they're not thinking clearly because of whatever's going on in their life, because of their toxic cowardice uh, at, at the root of who they are, they they don't even care if it's if it's not something positive said about them, but if it's it's a negative, right? So, so just as long as people know them and especially that, oh, you know, I've been in pain. So if I can cause them pain, I remember bad things. So if I can cause them to remember bad things and my name is remembered, you'll always remember my name when I do this bad thing. Well, Peterson is basically saying because the media insists on promoting these people's names and publicizing their names, it gives that next one, hey, he got that. That's what I desire. That's what I want. And you know, and 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 I'll be honest with you, because in this sense, um, I agree with Peterson. On the one hand, that 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 sickness of mind, that weakness, that cowardice that's that's in them will seek that kind of notoriety, even cause them to go murder people, mass murders, just so they they could walk away feeling or die, because most of them get shot and killed or kill themselves knowing, hey, now everybody knows my name. I finally got my name in light, so to speak. You know, so uh I understand that on that end. So on one hand, should the media do that? No. But should there be a law or should they be forced to not do that? Well no. And I know they don't do that in, in cases of Um, uh, people that are under the age of 18, uh, at least until the family's been notified and certain things are taken care of. So I do understand that for children. But I never want to take people's rights away in that sense, because if we start, especially the media, if you start taking away the media's rights to say something, well, then they can take away my rights to preach whatever I want from my pulpit in my church or PFC's right to say whatever they want to say in one of their meetings. It's a slippery slope once you get there. But at the same time, I do think they have the eth- the ethical responsibility that the media does to maybe, by their own choice, not publicize these names. Or to say it in such a way, maybe not the name, but say and report on it in such a way that it discourages the next person dealing with this Um, toxic, cowardice, uh, you know, do it in such a way that they know they're not going to get what they want out of it. You know what I mean? Anyways, I don't know how you do that, but nonetheless, let me keep on going. Uh, The past spoke about responsibility. Where, where, Where did I leave off on this thing? Oh, here we go. Peterson stressed that young people need to have clear direction and a sense of purpose in their lives and that society is failing to take these philosophical and even religious issues seriously. Oh, that's so true. And, and, and I, I wouldn't even say it falls fully on society per se. It does to a certain degree, but it, it falls on the shoulders of parents. Parents that are raising these young people to be toxic cowards are not taking philosophical and religious issues seriously. They're not teaching them right from wrong. They're not giving them a sense of real hope and purpose They're not teaching them that their life has meaning and that they need to find their, you know, come into their destiny, come into what God has created them to be and do. And they'll find purpose. They'll find destiny. And they need to do it right. They need to do it righteously. They need to do it morally, ethically, um, and all of that, you know. So, yes, I would agree it's a societal thing on one hand, but it's more importantly, it's a family issue, mom and dad. It's your issue. So, uh, in the past, we spoke much more about responsibility in particular, uh, but also purpose and maturity, and we valued those things highly, he said. We don't confuse them with tyranny and toxic masculinity, for example. The idea that masculinity is somehow toxic is absolutely dreadful, he says. Speaking of toxic masculinity, said Carlson, why is it all boys who commit school, why is it all boys who commit school shootings. Well, boys are more aggressive than girls, Peterson explained. There's a biological component to that that's quite strong. That's why the vast majority of people in prison are male. He observed that although the average man and woman are almost equally aggressive, the most aggressive people are virtually all men. Male aggressiveness also explains why men who attempt suicide less frequently than women are more likely to succeed at it, he said. The biological reason for this, however, is ignored by postmodernist social constructionists who have got their heads firmly buried in the sand. Carlson asked Peterson if society should be thinking about how to raise boys so that they are less likely to use murderous violence, and the psychologist agreed. 12 rules for life is a meditation on exactly that, he said. I have been lecturing online about the idea that responsibility is what gives life meaning, and that meaning is the antidote to nihilism nihilism and aggression and resentment that can otherwise be produced. There's no doubt that life life is difficult and the people get hurt and betrayed, he continued. That's unassailable truth. You need something to offset that, and most people find that in their destiny, in their adoption of responsibility and their willingness to make their own lives and the lives of their family better, to contribute to the community and to bear the burden of being nobly. And that works, but he, but we don't think that way anymore. You know, I want to I stop and comment on all of that. Jordan Peterson talks in some big words, 50-cent words, and um, so every now and then I just have to stop and reprocess what he's saying. But I, I I, agree with him. There was a time, there was a time, even when I was growing up, we were taught how to act. We were expected to act certain ways, and there was a certain purposes, purpose in what we were being taught and why we're being taught that i'll give an example just one other thing i remember my dad telling me um that he didn't want me fighting in school all right i don't want you fighting in school so if you can walk away walk away right if you can't if somebody's picking on you and you can walk away walk away you know and you better not ever he said i better not ever find out that you started the fight okay but he says but if there's just no way out and you always try to find a way out but if there's just no way out you make that guy regret picking on you just make him regret it and and there was actually um a certain uh, I, I don't know what you would say uh honor nobility even in the way uh kids way back then at least kids would fight when they had those differences and they you know we were taught you can't back, if you can't back out fight and make them regret it but you better do whatever you can to get out of it talk your way out of it, whatever, you know, and never start it. Um, but it, back in that day, I remember this. Uh, and I remember watching this in, in my high school. Two kids were going at it. They were fighting, fist fighting. And uh, um, they were fighting. They were hitting one another. They are grabbing one another. They were punching one another, trying to kick one another. And for the most part, only one in like maybe five or six swings actually connected with any, you know, it was all just more like little love taps. But finally, when one of them went down, he went down. He wasn't knocked out, but he he was dazed, and he went down. Um, The other guy just backed up, just backed up, and kind of stood over it. Like, if he's going to get up, I'm going to knock him down again, all right? Now, the reason I point this out is because there was a certain level of honor in that. The other guy went down, fight, unless he gets up and still wants to fight. Fight's over, but not today. I've watched videos, and I've seen fights where it might start between you know, uh, two young men and they're fist fighting. And then the next thing you know, it seems like 20, 30 people are jumping on one of them. And like 20, 30 people are beginning to beat down on one of them. He goes down and then now 10, 15, 20 people are kicking him. And we've had problems. And you could even look these things up and find out. They've had problems, uh, major problems, where they've suffered severe brain damage, paralysis, and even death. Because the madness, It's not. it didn't just start like, Two young men having a disagreement that ended going to blows, and the first one down is the loser, and it's over. There's no honor in any of this anymore. Some people say, well, there's no honor in fighting at all. You know, whatever. If you're defending yourself or defending somebody else, that is honorable. But my point is there there is absolutely, regardless of how you measure, there's absolutely no honor. Right now, it's so animalistic out there. It's so animalistic out there. I watched a video where two girls were going at. Girls, back in the day, girls didn't fight like that. If they got really mad at each other, they would ignore each other and walk away from each other, turn up their nose and walk away from each other. That was a big fight between girls. Now, they go at it worse than the guys. And then, you know, they're they're, they're punching me. And then four other girls jump in on one of the girls. That girl goes down and now you know one of them grabs her by the hair and starts pulling her around and this happened in the school ground pulling her around the school ground while the others were chasing after her kicking her kicking her in the ribs kicking her in the stomach kicking her in the face they're animals this is so disgusting and that is not toxic masculinity or toxic femininity what that is that's toxic cowardice because back in the day when i was in school um when it was, when two guys squared off to fight, if anybody else jumped in to help his buddy, they were considered the worst of cowards. They were considered the worst of coward because they would bring one, uh, you know, now it's two against one or three against one, or in some cases nowadays, 10 against one, 12 against one, 15 against one. They're all cowards, all cowards. So anyways, let me, let me finish this. Peterson condemned the left-wing concept of toxic masculinity, saying that is it is an attempt to smear the idea of masculinity by confusing masculine competence with tyranny. So true. It's part of the underlying idea that our culture is corrupt, tyrannical patriarchy that was run by men for the advantage of men, which is a very pathological way of looking at the world, he said. Pathological. I like that. As a pathological way. So anytime you see these people or hear these people talking about toxic masculinity and talking about how men for so long have only built this world for men, run this world for men, and it's men for men and men for men only, well, that's a pathological, that's a fancy word for crazy, but a pathological way of looking at the world. Accepting this point of view leads to a belief that masculine energy should not be fostered. Peterson observed. And the only people who think that way are women whose relationships with men have been extraordinarily extraordinarily damaged, or men who have no idea who they are, or who are trying to shirk responsibility. So uh, I want to get back to this for just a moment. So uh, I don't want to deal too much with the women, because I think that's kind of a no-brainer, that the women who are You know, toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity, always blaming men for just being men and calling it toxic. Well, yeah, those are women that have been hurt. been Women that have been hurt, especially by men. And um, yeah, and my heart goes out to them for that. But the other ones, men who have no idea who they are or who are trying to shirk responsibility, what that basically means, ignorant and cowardly. So men that are ignorant, they don't know who they are, or cowards. They just don't want to take responsibility for their lives, their actions, and for being a man. Well, they're the ones that are pointing the finger going, toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity. Well, knock it off, wimp, and go get a life. The idea that masculinity is in essence, is somehow toxic, is an absolute dreadful idea. He ends this uh, article with, and this article, I forgot to mention who wrote it. It was... uh, Where is it? Where is it? Dorothy Cummings McClain. Maybe I said that already, but Dorothy Cummings McLean. again, that was March 1st, 2018. And we're still dealing with these things in 2023. That's why I wanted to bring it up. So what does that have to do with somebody coming and painting all these terrible things on butlers against PFC, Palmdale Freedom Coalition. By the way, Palmdale Freedom Coalition, please come and join us some Wednesday night. Butler's Coffee. But don't come thinking you're going to cause problems. I had an interesting conversation with somebody that had joined us last night. It was I think it was only a second time there. And he started wanting to talk to me about uh, the homeless. What are you guys doing about the homeless? And I said, well, uh, nothing directly because that's just not what we're here for uh, at this, at least at this time. However, many of the things that we are doing, we're hoping that we'll have indirect positive consequences with the, with the homeless. And then he just goes off and all of this stuff. And, and he was just you know, saying the dumbest of things. honestly just the dumbest of things and I try to correct him on some things I try to speak to him because I've worked with the homeless I've worked with homeless shelters I've been at the food drives I've handed out food to to homeless people and those who are in need and so I I've been I've heard the conversations I've been around them I know what's going on in their life maybe not super intimately but intimately enough that I get a basic idea of what's going on with the homeless I've I know a lot of um, sheriff deputies out here. I talk to them. I talk to them about the homeless situation. They talk to me about it. They tell me how, uh, in many ways, maybe not 100%, but in many ways, their hands are tied because of what comes down from the county's Board of Supervisors level and, and how... Um, even if there's somewhat some criminal activity, often, depending on what it is, of course, they're not allowed to go into these tent encampments and just, you know, start busting people and dragging people out. It, they can't do it. They, they're not allowed to, you know. And this guy just didn't understand all of this. And I was trying to educate him on all of this. And, and he it just kept getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And then um, my good buddy, uh, Mike, comes. With... <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. It was really kind of funny because this guy's getting louder and louder and louder, and and um, you know I, I I didn't do it on I laughed about it later, but I didn't actually do it just on purpose. I was trying to educate this guy because there's some things I don't know everything you know about the homeless, but there, the things I did know, I was trying to help educate him on why certain things were happening, like why doesn't why don't you open up your church and house the homeless there? And I told him simply because it's illegal. What do you mean it's illegal? It's not illegal, dude. I've been at this for you know, since 2000 as a head pastor and associate pastors for many years before that, it is illegal to open up your church for people, uh, to to house people if you don't have certain things, certain amount of beds, a certain amount of uh, uh, everything, showers, bathrooms, bathroom stalls, beds, um, all the way down to even exit signs and and fire protection and ramps. And I mean, you name it. You name it, you know, and and all the things that we'd have, uh, so many, it probably cost us in the neighborhood of about a half a million dollars to get our present church, which is very small, our present church building, very small, up to code to house people. So um, I told him that's why many churches, I'm not going to say all, but many churches don't house the homeless, you know? I, I said, it's just simple as that because it's illegal. We'll get in trouble. We can get in some major, major, major trouble, you know? Anyways, he just couldn't get it. And by the way, that's just the truth, ladies and gentlemen. But he did not get it. So he's getting really lippy. And then here comes Mike over here. You know, he's going to calm the thing down because it did, I'm sure, from somebody else. look like it was about to get out of hand. And um, so I was kind of pushing his buttons. Of course, I didn't mean to. Ladies, I did not mean to. I did not mean to push his buttons. It's just, it's just, it's just who I am. I just can't help it. It's just my personality, especially when somebody's sitting there getting so uptight and upset. Uh, and, and I would just tell him, dude, you know, I'm just telling you the truth. You, you, um, you, you're you getting duped by somebody. Somebody's lying to you. And of course, he didn't like that because he wanted to be the guy with all the answers and everything like that. And, and then come to find out when it was all over, I found out that he was there the week prior. And he was interrupting the meeting, talking about nonsense, using foul language with women and children in the room. And they finally had to shut him down. Why he came back, I have no idea. Because apparently he doesn't necessarily fit into the group, at least in just proper uh, masculine etiquette. And there he is back. And now here he is arguing with me about homeless people. And it's like, dude. So Mike comes over and shuts us both down. And on one hand, it was like, I appreciated Mike having my back. But at the same time, he kind of shut me down, too. And I was just getting started in my accidental irritation of this gentleman. But um, <laughs> Wait, let me see. I think I got a sound effect to that oh wait yeah there we go <laughs> that was a good one there you go so um, um, just having a you know just having this conversation with him on my end but on the other end he's just getting uh, getting crazy and so anyways Mike comes over and, and, and Mike is when he, when he needs to be he and I we, we get along we laugh we joke and everything but when he needs to be he's very serious and when I say serious I'm not talking about mean he didn't say anything mean he didn't use any foul language he didn't threaten him at all but suddenly, called, oh, you're threatening me! You're threatening me! And he finally called, "You're a thug," you know. And he looks at us, "You're both thugs." And I'm, I just, I, I could. <laughs> Have you ever been in those situations where you don't want to escalate the situation any any further? So you know, if you just bust out laughing, it might escalate the circula- uh, the search sur- <laughs> situation. <laughs> and and so I'm trying to hold back on cracking up, but it's just like. Yeah, Mike, you're a real thug, you know? And uh, so we, we had fun. He goes, I know you all started because I was wearing a beanie at the, at the time. And I don't normally wear beanies, but it was really cold. So he's he this is that beanie you were wearing. So anyways, we're just having fun with it. But um, again, here's this dude uh, he, struggling. And I'm just going to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, the way he was acting and he couldn't control his motions and he couldn't control his language and he couldn't control himself. He doesn't really know what it is to be a real man. I hate to say it like this. And 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 so that 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 it's toxic but it's not masculinity, all right? And this dude that comes and spray paints on the place later and no they weren't the same people. When I first saw it I thought maybe it was, but it wasn't, you know. Um but but when this guy it's like again, toxic cowardice on display. And and why when people do not when men, I'm going to talk about men. When men do not have the ability to sit down And have a conversation, even if they disagree with one another. And have the ability to still walk away and just say, well, I agreed to disagree kind of a thing. You know, especially on something as silly as this. Or when when we're being called fascist and transphobic, when those two things are clearly... If anybody knows us, anybody comes to these PFC meetings, no, we are certainly not fascist at all. We are the exact opposite, but transphobic? Oh, my gosh. Everybody's invited. If uh, some uh, trans, whatever they call, men, women, whatever, somebody came in there. I'm not going to lie. We might do a double take because it's not every day that they come into, uh, you know, around us and in that sense. But if they did have a seat, you're welcome. We're not going to hold back on what we talk about or what we believe just because you're here. But at the same time, you're welcome. You're welcome to even uh, make some comments inside. It's, It's just so ridiculous toxic cowardice on display. That's one reason why I wanted to read this article. Um, Jordan Peterson again has this book, 12 Rules for Life, and there's a comment in there that he makes. It says, if you think tough men are dangerous, wait until you see what weak men are capable of. You see, because a tough man, again, a man, just a man, when he has that kind of problem with somebody that needs to be worked out, he's going to go work it out with them. He's going to talk to them. And if He's never going to start the fight, but even if it comes down to some type of fist fight, now please, ladies and gentlemen, I am not advocating violence. I'm just saying if that's what it comes down to, because as he's trying to confront, he's trying to work something out with another man or or group or whatever, and somebody takes a poke at him, he's going to stand up and defend himself, but he's not going to go in there starting a fight. He's going to go in there with the heart and mind and the attitude of, number one, listen, I think what's happening here, what's going on is wrong, He's going to go looking for some real-world information, and if it still is information that leads to his understanding yet that this is wrong, he's going to try to educate or work it out so they can come up to a mutual agreement. And if they certainly can't, unless it's just something that's really destructive, okay, unless it's something destructive towards him or towards his family or culture, society, or the people that he's in uh, uh, over and he protects... Um, then he's going to walk away and say, then we'll agree to disagree. You know what I mean? No fighting. No. But a, a, a coward comes in the middle of the night and vandalizes the place they disagree with and proves that they don't even know what they're disagreeing with or, or with, or why. That's the, that's the biggest thing. They don't even know. Fascists? Fascists? The last thing I want to be under is a dictator. So that, by virtue of that alone, I'm not a fascist. Anyways, if you think tough men are dangerous... Wait till you see what weak men are capable of. Jordan Peterson. And that's what we're seeing in the world right now. There's too many weak men in key positions ruling from weakness instead of strength. And it's wrecking things. So I want to end with this, ladies and gentlemen, especially to your mom and dads in this this regard. please, 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 please. Take note of really what's going on in the world right now. Take note of the weakness on display and what it leads to. Take note of of every school shooter or mass shooter in this country that's that, that goes and kills the innocent, that's cowardice on display, the ultimate in cowardice on display. Now, moms, and especially your dads, treat your sons how to be real men. How to be real men, masculine men, strong men, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, strong men. And one of the best things you can do is give them a real purpose in life. And especially... Your young men, your boys, give them a masculine purpose. What do I mean by that? Well, make sure that there's things that are that are uh, traditionally masculine woven into their world, their daily world. And and I know this might seem like a silly thing right now, but but you know, um, teach them how to change a tire. And I'm serious. Teach them how to work around the house. When I say work around the house, I mean you know fix things because men fix things. It's wired into us. We are fixers. We repair. Something's out of order, something broken. We fix it. Teach them to do that. That doesn't mean that's going to be the rest of their life. Doesn't mean they're going to be handyman for the next 50 or 60 years. It doesn't mean that they're going to be electricians. Doesn't mean they're going to be carpenters. But they should learn these types of things, not about the carpet, because I can care less about the carpentry. I can care less about the mechanics. If they want to take their their car to a mechanic, that's fine. They want to hire a a carpenter to come and do work for them. That's fine. But they're learning how to fix what is broken. They're learning how to identify a problem and then come up with creative solutions on how to fix it. Now, I know that's not only masculine. Women can do that too. I mean, it's just, you know, that's, that's for men and women. But... Men have it wired in them. This is one reason why in a marriage, often men and women have, you know, husbands and wives have problems. The wife often just wants to talk about the problems, just get it off her chest, and have somebody to talk to. She doesn't want the husband. And and the husband's just supposed to sit there and shake his head and look like he, um, he really cares and understands about what she is saying. But in his mind is he he wants to fix it. He wants to deal with it. He wants to fix it for her. That's the way he shows love. That's the way he's wired. Then she gets mad because you know, um, because uh, um, she doesn't want him to fix it. He, she just wants him to listen. There's a funny. I think it was Saturday Night Live. Maybe it was Mad TV or something. One of those. But there's a little spoof that they have, and it's it's hysterical. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I'm gonna play on some stereos here, and and so did they but it was so true there's a husband and wife sitting on a couch and and they zoom in on her face as she's just kind of pouring out her heart and he he tries to interrupt and says but 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 and um and as she and she starts saying cuz she's saying I, you know it's just a headache i just feel like you know i just have this headache and everything that i'm going through just gives me a headache and you know I, i'm butchering it up i don't I remember the words exactly but she kept going on about how she has a headache and it just you know and all this stress and headache and everything and when they pan back, she gets mad at him because it's like, he says, but, but, but honey, look at, look at, and, and will you stop? You're always trying to fix it. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to hear me. I just want you to sympathize with me. I just want you to be there for me and be a support. But he's going, but, but, but honey, I, you know, there's, there's no, no, you do. And she goes on and they're arguing back and forth. And, but anyways, when they pan back and you see what's going on, she has a big nail in her head. Like right in her forehead or top of her head or something, got a big nail up there. And she's complaining about how she has a headache and the stress of life and everything that she's going through. And every time he tries to tell her, but there's a nail and I can get it out for you, you know, but no, stop. I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. And it was kind of funny because, yeah, that's been the age-old conversation and argument between husband and wife since probably Adam and Eve. She just wants him to listen. He wants to fix it. Sometimes there is no solution, so the husband should just listen. And sometimes there's a super clear, super clear you know, way to fix a situation and get the get the wife out of the pain and out of the misery. And the husband can see it clearly, but she can't. And she shuts him down because he just wants to share. Now, all, all you want to do is always fix me and da, 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 just listen to me. And it's like, but you got a nail sticking out of your head. You know, you just got this big nail sticking out of your head. I can fix this, you know. But ladies and gentlemen, there's not always fixing. But anyways, men... Uh, even though it ca- can cause some problems like that, the argument about stop fixing me, just listen, but I know how to fix this, but I don't want you to all that. Real men are not what. Wi- Real men, listen, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Real men are not wired at the very core of who they are to just listen and give a shoulder to cry on. I know, ladies, I'm sorry, but but my husband, that's why I married him. No, 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 no. That's why you have girlfriends. You actually married your husband to protect you to give you security, and to fix things. Yes, husbands, we should learn to just listen at times. But ladies, you set us up and yourselves up for failure when all you want from us men is for us to listen. You have to allow us to fix something once in a while. And if you just want an ear, go get a dog. If you just want to complain, go get a dog. If you just want to bad mouth and just go on and on and on and you don't want anybody fixing it you just need somebody to listen to you know go have coffee with one of your friends okay and let your husband get back to fixing things and and i would say that's one of the number one things about being a man about being masculine is being able to fix things again you don't have to go into carpentry you don't have to go into mechanics you don't you know why do you think many uh, of the brain surgeons are men because they're trying to fix something. And the more complicated it is, they, they work harder to perfect their skills. Do you guys want to know why men, so many men get into golf? Because golf is one of those uh, sports that you never stop learning how to better your skills and better your game. In other words, it gives them something to constantly fix it and work on. Because that's how men are wired. So if they're not working as mechanics, if they're not working as carpenters, if they're not working as brain surgeons, where their job is to actually fix things, they need to have something in their world to fix. And let's face it, maybe I shouldn't even say this. Maybe I shouldn't even touch on this. But ladies, if you f- get frustrated with your husband because he's always trying to fix you or fix the situation for you, and you just get so burnt out on that so tired, then maybe you shouldn't be so broken. Maybe you shouldn't be so broken. And if you're not going to let him fix you, well, then go work on it yourself so he's not going to be frustrated and he could put that same energy into actually fixing something that will really benefit you and him. Now, am I saying that's going to cause all of these school shootings and everything to stop? no. Nah, nah, maybe not. Maybe it's a little bit more than that. That's a huge jump forward because I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen uh, mothers and fathers shut down their boys when they're just trying to be boys. And ladies and gentlemen, what we need is our boys to be true boys, our, our boys to grow up to be true men, and true masculinity to be put on display, not this cowardice, toxic cowardice to be put on display. So those of you out there tagging places thinking that you're a tough guy because you can tag your name or tag your your street name or whatever, or tag something you don't like from a business or a person or a group, you're not a man. You're not tough. That's toxic cowardice on display. Deal with it. Own it. And and if you are a male, somewhere some deep down inside of you, there's that desire to fix something, then <laughs> go get fixed. Let's go home. There's no intelligent life here. Thank you again for joining us at Table Flippers. Please check out our merchandise. We have hats, hoodies, water bottles, all kinds of cool things. You can find all of our merchandise at tableflippers.com. That's tableflippers.com. And please write me. Please let me know how I'm doing. Write me at GWCCRobert. That's one word, GWCCRobert at gmail.com. Give me the good letters. Give me the bad letters. Tell me the great things I'm doing. Tell me the bad things I'm doing. I want to hear it all. Have a great day.